Welcome to this special edition of Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am joined by Martin, I don't know what to call you, Martin Unidentified Willis. <laughs> well, yes, only because I forgot my license. How did you know that? I'm driving without a license. Wow, wow. that fits. It just came yeah. out, and then it, it actually applied to the situation. I know. I left my life, my wow. my wallet at home by accident this morning. So wow. that was. I think you're doing like this telepathy thing yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't what's know going what's on. going on. Wow. The world's a strange place. The last few days, I think everybody would agree with that. I think so. Especially with all this news and everything going on, you still okay? You no, know, I I agree. I think I think you're right. It's uh, it's really been something, hasn't it? Yeah. So let's talk about that something, and this show is something. So I called it a special report. Um, some of you may be expecting, because that is, uh, I'm having Leslie Kane on today. You're wrong, and I am so sorry, and so is Leslie. She was not able to make it, and so, which is a kind of a bummer. Of course, she's really busy. She's been out there, but the holidays and, and a bunch of other stuff came up, and she she had to cancel. She's devastated. However... She has promised me, and I apologize, Martin, but uh, she has a, a promised me that I will be the first interview she does when she gets back uh, into you know having some time. So uh, she'll be doing an interview with us uh, in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be good because news keeps developing. In fact, she was very concerned. She was like, hey, if we do an interview, <clears throat> you can't post it like a couple days later because there's so much that's... <clears throat> Excuse me. There's so much that's changing. That's right. Day by day. So at least we'll have the latest when that happens. However, I have the next best thing. Um, there would be better. Better would be maybe Lou Elizondo, the, the man of the hour right now, but it's not him. But I do have John Alexander and Nick Pope. Why is Whoa. that important? Yeah, pretty cool. Because John Alexander was uh, in Army Intelligence, just like a lot of these people in the To the Stars Academy, which I'll refer to as TTSA going forward, that group that Tom put together. A lot of those guys were in Defense uh, and Intelligence. And Lou Elizondo, who ran this Department of Defense um, program, he also was in Defense Intelligence. So John Alexander comes from that world. Not only that... When he was in intelligence, and this was a couple decades ago, this is before this DOD UFO program, he and some buddies got together to find uh, who are these people keeping the UFO secrets. They did a deep dig to figure out, is there a secret organization uh, out there that is investigating UFOs and keeping the secrets? Some of them assumed there were, but uh, John says he didn't find any. What he found was disappointing, was kind of bumbling. By the Air Force. They're just kind of like UFOs are a hot potato. I don't want to deal with it. You deal with it type of situation. 
Wow. Yeah, that's I I remember um you know he did that uh project where he was trying to find out and um I understand the hot potato and um it's kind of how this whole thing kind of developed very quietly and yeah. uh it's quite fascinating how all yeah. this took place. And we talk about this, kind of this embarrassment factor that happens. Um, the other th- person I have is Nick Pope. Nick Pope I've had on several times, but the reason he's important is because he worked at the UFO desk for the MOD, the Ministry of Defense in the UK. So essentially, Nick Pope's job there in the 90s was similar to Lou Elizondo's job in, in many ways. And so we'll talk about that. So it's kind of a roundtable. Got them both on at the same time. And uh, we do this roundtable discussion about uh, all this recent news. So very, very exciting stuff. I mean, these guys are, I mean, they talk about having some internal insight. I think uh, it doesn't get better than these two guys. I can't wait to listen to the show. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of fun. So there's a lot of news, of course, around this DOD program. And, uh, you know, since we've talked last, Martin, there's been more news because there's stories coming out every day. There's a story that came out today in the sun, actually, that has my face on the front, which is a little huh? bit embarrassing with Tom DeLong. Um, uh, because, you know, I'm not the story, but uh, they liked, you know, I, I'm pretty much the only one talking about Tom DeLong, probably because it seems like he's taken a back seat. A bit, and I did write a piece on the Huffington Post and at OpenMinds.tv, a longer piece about you know Tom's involvement with this whole thing. But and, and the fact that I feel if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so uh, this revelation, so uh, that's been going on. But what have you been observing? Let's talk some of the news out there. Well, also I do want to say um, when you were with me on my show the other night with uh, Kevin Randall. Uh, what did you think about? I, I loved his comment. He says, "I guess I owe Tom DeLong an apology." He said, "You know what is funny is after I wrote my piece about Tom DeLong and his involvement, um, I got a few responses like that saying, I, you know, you're right. He deserves credit. We need to give credit where credit's due.' And I lay it out uh, how, on the one hand, Tom is saying some pretty wild stuff." Uh, and on the other hand, he, what he delivered was quite remarkable, incredible. Um, you know, this revelation that we that the government's been secretly investigating UFOs and have discovered unknowns, and we haven't been told that for decades, literally decades. And not only that, lots of us have been banging our head against the wall saying, hey, look, the government is investigating UFOs. We've got these files, even though they say they're not. And everybody ignores us. They think we're conspiracy goofballs or something. So, um, uh, so this right. vindicates us and demonstrates that we were right all along, that there there was something going on. So, and we wouldn't have had that without Tom. So that's a really big deal. So you can hear with Kevin Randall, because Kevin Randall is one of these guys who's who's been very careful researcher, great researcher. And uh, I asked that of uh, John and and Nick, not about Tom specifically, but how important this news is. And we'll talk about that. But it is very important news. And we wouldn't have it without Tom. So I, a lot of people are feeling that way. So I hope people read my story. And uh, I understand, I think some were disappointed because Tom, you know, uh, has these pretty wild ideas and that his ideas are not what he proved or demonstrated. Uh, but what he demonstrated is something that I would have hoped he would demonstrate, which is more exciting. Um, just this simple revelation that 
they are investigating and taking it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, getting back to what is going on with the news, I, I just wanted to comment um, because the other night, um, not last night, but the night before, I uh, turned on you know CNN News because they've been covering this pretty steady uh, around 10 o'clock. And all of a sudden, um, the host said, uh, my next guest is Neil deGrasse Tyson. And so I went, oh, like, oh, no, because I've watched him, you know, over the years, you know, bash the whole UFO thing, you know, many times. Um, And so I just thought that was going to be more of that. And I was totally impressed with the way he handled it this time. Um, So I really enjoyed um, what he said. Um, He was actually um, almost arguing with the host of the show saying, no, I really think it's not a bad idea that these things are investigated. And it's like, wow, that was Neil deGrasse Tyson saying that. Um, And he's saying, you know, it is, you know, he did remind everyone. And I think it's a good point is that um, a UFO means an unidentified flying object. He said, perhaps an astrophysicist like myself and others may be able to make it an IFO, an identified object. But, you know, I don't know about this one in particular, that type of thing. So it was it was great to hear someone who usually, like I said, he usually bashes the UFO um, idea in the past. That's what I've seen repeatedly. So I was really relieved that he actually um, was acting like this is a serious thing that, you know, could possibly be looked at. I agree with you. I heard that interview, and I also was impressed. Um, he was making the point, and, and I understand his point that, you know, when Elizondo says this is evidence of uh, life elsewhere um, or something like that, uh, or he said, I think this is evidence that we're not alone, compelling evidence that we'll, we're not alone, and I'll leave it at that. Um, Tyson disagreed with that. He said, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't evidence of that. This is evidence of unknowns. And uh, uh, to Elizondo's defense, you know, it was Aaron Burnett on CNN who pushed Elizondo to yes. that answer because she right. kept asking him about aliens. And he said, this isn't about that. I don't want to talk about that. This isn't about that. And he finally gave her that little thing. And, of course, that's the the thing they run with, which is really frustrating. I watched an interview with James Fox on CNN, and they kept doing that. They Her sentence, yeah. her question, started with asking about UFOs, but in the same question incorporated aliens. And I think uh, uh, what people have to do is kind of say, hey, look, you're asking me two different questions here. You're asking me about UFOs, investigating unidentified objects. Then you're asking me to speculate about aliens. This isn't about aliens. This is about UFOs and gathering data to figure out what they are. We don't know what they are. Is it possible they're extraterrestrial? Perhaps that that may be the case, but we have to follow the data to bring us to that conclusion, and we just don't have those conclusions yet. So, um, But I was really impressed with Tyson, too, because he was very supportive of the program, like you said. He said $22 million is a drop in the bucket. He said it's It's like point zero 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 something percent of the defense budget. It's totally justified to spend a little bit of money uh, in in relative terms, of course, uh, on investigating unknown objects these guys are observing. It makes sense to do that. And I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
to your point, um, I have watched these uh, people, you know, that are conducting the interview, just push someone into a corner. They, you know, the same person did that with uh, Leslie Kane the other night, and she mm. held her ground pretty well. Um, but right. trying to get them into saying it's extraterrestrial, they're just, you know, it's like a loaded question after a loaded question, trying to get them to say that. Um, and, um, but, uh, you know, I like the fact that um, at least no one is going there. You know, I mean, I, I just hope no one goes there because I think it would it would just take away from it if someone said, yes, you know, I do believe they're extraterrestrial. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, normally we've heard Tom DeLonge be the front guy out there speaking like crazy to everybody and talking about the alien topic. And I think that's why he, he must have agreed to kind of t- sit on the sidelines for now and uh, chill out, you know, and let these yeah. guys have their moment um, to talk about the actual investigation. And it, this is partially us educating the mainstream, though, too. So it's kind of educating them and um, trying to detach the alien stigma from the term UFO. Because, you know, we've tried mm-hmm. to come up with these terms, UAP, anomalous aerial phenomena. It doesn't work. No, that has not worked with the press. They don't say, oh, okay, you've got a UAP. That's totally different than a UFO. No, they say UFO. They go back to the term UFO because really that's just trying to sneakily uh, say the same thing using a different term. So you have to tackle the uh, the idea of UFO that they have in their mind and detach that stigma. And that's what we've got to work towards and I think is happening. Um, but we have to be a little more aggressive and we shouldn't be aggressive uh, or uh, be afraid to be aggressive. Leslie shouldn't be afraid to say, hey, uh, she was with Don Lemon. Hey, Don, you know, this isn't aliens. I know that's really interesting to talk about, but that's not what we're talking about. What we need to focus on and what the issue here is and what the DOD was doing was examining unknown objects, unknown aircraft, and they were observing aircraft that demonstrated technologies that are beyond our own that is the issue we need to continue to investigate uh that and then maybe we'll be able to have some answers as to what is the root of this issue but that needs to be the focus right and i do understand when like don or anyone else is you know interviewing someone they're going to ask well what do you think it is i mean that's a normal question or anyone to ask, um, because, you know, for instance, when the Navy pilot, uh, uh, David, I can't remember, it's Farrell or something like that, um, was being interviewed, you know, he was talking about what he observed. Well, you know, this thing went that way, it went this way. Um, You know, it didn't have any source of propulsion that was visual or any, you know, wings or anything like that. You know, so when you tell a story like that, of course, you know, the next question is going to be, well, what do you think it was? So I, I do understand. Um, but all you can answer if you're being interviewed is, I'm not sure. You know, what I mean, what else can you say if you it, 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 we're at a, a point where we have to be careful, anyone that's being interviewed, because it can go, um, you know, it can go south pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, when Lou was being pushed and I, I don't 
understand necessarily why they do this, but he could have said, and I think it would have been accurate and, and just fine to say, I don't know. When she's like, are these aliens? I don't know. That's the mm-hmm. point. We don't know. We need to do the investigation to determine what the matter is. Um, and that once that point is made, then maybe some speculation can happen. Because if, of course, uh, a thorough study of UFOs uh, is able to um, determine or demonstrate uh, with some, you know, um, demonstrate that we do, are uh, it, having visitations um, like Bigelow seems to be convinced of as well, then that's extraordinary. You know, that that is really cool. That would be interesting to if that were the case. Another interesting point, too, is this kind of cat and mouse game thing that happens is that, um, you know, throughout the, the years, even in Project Blue Book, we got a lot of files that are very similar to the one case they've released details to and that these jet fighter pilots are coming out and talking about, which is, you know, essentially the Nimitz uh, carrier group saw this object. They called it a Tic Tac. It was a 40-foot long uh, object that was hovering and then making weird maneuvers and shooting off at incredible speed that when jets are scrambled to the area uh, of an unknown that the unknown observed for a short period of time and then races off at incredible speed Uh, that is what we've heard over and over and over and over again Um, yes which would kind of be indicative of i think what nick pope suggested on on an article recently which is that perhaps these are uh observation you know uh uh, these things are here for observation only type of thing um that's an interesting idea yeah like drones in a way yeah interstellar Mm -hmm. drones sure i mean it's i know we can't fathom something like that because of the distance thing but uh i don't think that's i don't think that's a bad theory at all Mm -hmm. is there another uh go ahead no i'm i'm just saying i'm I mean, we would do it if we could. Mm-hmm. Is there another interesting story out there? No, but, um, uh, well, you know, I'm sure there is. But, you know, to your point also, I just want to want to say mm-hmm. this. Um, I think it would be great if people are being interviewed about this, is if they brought up that topic that these things have been observed for a long time. It's not just recently because I think a lot of people may just assume that, wow, this happened, um, and then not really know anything else about it. But I really think that more people would be interested in finding out if they knew, well, this has been happening for decades, so it can't be some new technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big point I'm trying to make to some of the people uh, in the press who have contacted me lately, is that um, this is important because... Uh, of the reason that we said earlier that uh, the government has been denying any research into this topic or that they take it seriously when actually they do. Um, another point is that uh, exactly what you said, that this is um, not a new occurrence, that these sort of events have happened over and over again. And, you know, the third point that I like to make or with them is that um, things have changed a bit in that now – uh, I guess getting back to Robert Powell and his investigation, how he looked into this case, this Nimitz case uh, 
for the last year or so. And the when he had put in FOIA requests, they said they didn't have any information. And now that this story has come out, he's revisited with them, and they said, we will now have information forthcoming. So essentially really? acknowledging wow. that they lied in yeah. the first case, that they didn't have information, and that now, because they're kind of busted, they're going to be revealing at least providing something to people. And I'm sure when they provide this information, it won't just go to Robert Powell. I'm sure the New York Times and, and others have made these similar requests. So it's at least opened up this case a little bit. Now, do you think, um, someone asked me the other day, and I thought it was a fairly decent question. Do you think this is a, a baby step on disclosure? Well, and What are your thoughts, thoughts about that? I don't think so. Um, at least I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. I, I mean, it could be argued that this is disclosure. They Mm -hmm. did disclose that they're investigating UFOs. Um, and they have been doing that secretly. That's a disclosure and it could be the disclosure. Uh, the, the issue is, will we have another level of disclosure? Um, Elizondo says he is not aware of anybody else looking into this matter and that no one else had looked into the matter. In fact, the uh, exotic materials they obtained, uh, that they claim to have obtained, uh, are in Bigelow's hands. They they contracted Bigelow to Aerospace to look at this. So that, to me, would indicate um, there is no bigger program. If there was a bigger program, why would they give that material to Bigelow instead of shuttling that to whatever this other secret program is? Um, right, unless it's always been um, in a subcontractor's hands, in a private's hands to begin with. You know, um, yeah. there's always been argument about that. Well, you know, that's the way you keep a secret is to get it out of, you know, government. Yeah, you know, and one of the points that John's going to make here in a little bit in the interview is that there's no real leadership, that it's very haphazard. And and we've had these issues in the past, that each branch of the military works on their own projects and on their own things, and they work with their own contractors. So, in other words, there could be a program that the Navy has that the Air Force is not aware of sort of thing. So, we heard of a defense, uh, Department of Defense, which makes sense because that's more centralized, but perhaps there is another program out there that we're just not aware of, and they're not aware of, and they're not even working together. Um, that would be possible, but I don't know. I don't. This, I well, obviously, it seems that that's what Tom DeLong thinks that um, you know that that there will be some sort of revelation that they've retrieved a body um, that that they they do know that aliens exist. Uh, there's no proof or or indication, um, official indication of that at all um, at this time. So, uh, so I don't it, know. You know, it's all. It also goes along the line with what I've said on my show a number of times that um, my thoughts are, and this is just a theory, that the government has no idea what's going on, um, and they're just where we are at. Uh, you know, looking at this, you know, maybe they would well, have some more insight. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of classified information. Mm-hmm. We're almost out, out of time. Along. But to your oh, point, okay. yeah. um, 
Yeah, because we keep hearing that over and over again. Now there's another pro- secret project that come out came out, but the the whole thing is we don't know much, and it it and that's what Alexander is saying. They don't know much, and uh, they're just as uh, mystified as this uh, by all of this as the rest of us, and and that's all the indication we have. But thank you so much for joining us, Martin. Absolutely, my pleasure. For those of you who celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful and safe. Christmas. All right. So we've got to go to break. And now, um, for those of you listening on KGRA, you'll hear a couple commercials. And then for those of you listening on the podcast, you'll hear a short music interlude. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Mind GFO Radio for this special edition show prior just prior to the holidays. Santa Claus is getting his sled ready right now and all of us of course are talking UFOs and we've got a bigger audience talking UFOs than, than normal out there in the world. Hopefully Santa doesn't get buzzed by any unknown object, but um on the phone with me is John Alexander and Nick Pope, and I don't think I could have got two better people because John Alexander worked uh, in Army Intelligence, and many of the To The Stars Academy people worked in intelligence, including the man of the hour, Lou Elizondo, uh, who we'll be talking about, and uh, then also Nick Pope. And speaking of Lou, Nick Pope did kind of what Lou did for... Uh, the UK working at the Ministry of Defense for a few years. So we'll get into that as well. So welcome, gentlemen. Glad to be here. All right. Yes, likewise. Good good to uh, be joining you for this show. <laughs> so to start off, uh, John, so this is kind of like, uh, I guess, is it this at a big surprise, this revelation that this department exists, especially given that when you were in Army Intelligence, you kind of got some buddies together to look for any clandestine uh, kind of UFO project in the government. Well, we did, but we went much farther than that. And um, I think this is, uh, I can actually be explained. I was not familiar with it. Uh, They came along two decades after I retired. But uh, what you're seeing here is actually a relatively small uh, program, and I think it's personality-dependent, meaning you had to have somebody like Lou who's going to pick up the guide on and uh, cause it to to happen. Uh, I've got to say he did better than I did because uh, we were not able to get funding, and uh, I would say that the reasons we were not are the ones that have been exposed in the heat uh, that uh, people are taking now. We can cover more about that if you wish. Yeah, we'll get into that, definitely. But um, I want to ask Nick, I mean, you had mentioned, John, you just mentioned that, you know, it was kind of a one guy. They didn't have a lot of resources, which is kind of like your program, Nick. Wasn't it just maybe 
were you the only staffer at the UFO desk and then you worked with uh, other agencies? Yes, it was pretty much just myself as the subject matter expert. I had administrative support. And of course, there was a whole network of other experts that we could bring in on particular investigations, be they radar experts, be they imagery analysts. Uh, So we had a, a wide reach. But yeah, the actual core team was very small. And one reason for that goes back to this point about the political embarrassment. We did not want this to be a particularly visible program, and we didn't want there to be much of a cost associated with it. And it depends how you do the accounting. Now, I've had a a financial policy job at the Ministry of Defense, and I know that as long as you um, use existing resources concurrently with other defense tasks, you can really say that uh, there's no additional cash cost in what you're doing. And that's one way to to keep things off the radar, pun intended. <laughs> so this budget... Well, can I mention here what, what, yeah. what Nick's just mentioned is absolutely critical. And the reason, I think, for the end of the program, and that is we say off the radar, there are there's external radars and internal radars. And as long as you do things at a certain level, uh, you can stay, you know, below the, uh, the radar, if you use that uh, euphemism, uh, meaning you're not drawing attention to yourself. And I've got to agree with Nick. Uh, we found the same thing. People were scared to death of being uh, exposed and thought to be wasting resources. That was a critical issue. Right. <clears throat> and then uh, this budget. So it kind of gets back to this $22 million uh, 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 budget that they had or at least and and maybe you guys can clarify it's a little unclear is that money that all went to bigelow or not i think uh chris mellon made a comment on uh, coast to coast when he was on with george knapp and i that they probably didn't see all of that money even though it was earmarked for the program and is that a lot of money when it comes to this sort of program it's minuscule uh, you know, one of my pet sayings, you'll see it repeatedly, is whatever we're looking at is at least as complex as AIDS or cancer. Uh, and remember, when you say 22 million, you're talking over five years. So the amount of money, we, I actually uh, did the calculations last night, and based on the budget, you're talking about 0.001% of the defense budget. I mean, they- yes, mm-hmm. let, let me just, uh, yeah, just, just to maybe give people um, uh, an, an example of what that might buy. I think it buys you about a quarter of one of the new F-35 fighters. <laughs> right. And how does that compare to the budget, you know, for your program? Well, Nick? we hardly ever costed it out. That's the thing. Um In terms of additional cash costs, we were desperate to keep those uh, almost down to zero. Hence, as I say, this idea of of simply piggybacking on other resources and capabilities that already existed within the Ministry of Defense. 
Mm-hmm. And so since 2012, when the Pentagon says they uh, ended that budget, it seems like that's what uh, this organization was doing. They were uh, using other resources. Yes, um, I, I think uh, certainly what I've heard, and, and I hasten to add, I have not um, got any inside knowledge about uh, this this particular U.S. program. I had left even the Ministry of Defense in the U.K. by the time this was set up, and it's not clear, though perhaps we can get into that later, the extent to which there was any liaison with allies. Um, but uh, my, my understanding is that, um, yes, it continues in, in some form, but now kind of off the books, unofficially, just piggybacking, as I say, on existing resources and capabilities. So almost back to this idea of people looking at this unofficially, just in the margins of looking at other things like Russian um, aerospace capability. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I think we've hit on some critical issues here, and I think one of the issues they have not played it very well politically since it came out, uh, because I think the public now believes there was a big UFO program when, in fact, a small b, they were looking at specific kinds of threats, and I think probably uh, given the advent of drones and things, uh, other kinds of uh, emerging threats uh, as well. But I offer to people, if you think there's a program, you know, try calling your local you know, government agency, Air Force, or whatever, and try to report a UFO, and you're going to find they don't take it. And what I've heard from uh, the people involved is, I think, uh, most, if not all, of these things had to do with incidents that involved uh, our air, uh, military assets, as opposed to just general comments about seeing weird stuff. I think you're right. I, and, and I think that either Chris Mellon or maybe Louis uh, Elizondo has confirmed that in one of their more recent interviews, that these were military cases that they were looking at. Because, ridiculously, I remember my first uh, UFO investigation for MUFON, and it was the security guard who had just come back from... Um, uh, desert storm and he felt he saw some weird thing it was at you know over a period of time over a mountain in Colorado where there's a lot of air traffic uh, just in the suburbs there and finally he said I better call this in he said he was still kind of hyped up he was still like on alert you know looking for abnormal things and they're supposed to report that sort of thing and so uh, he tried calling the airport, the FAA. Nobody wanted to hear anything. And then I did the same to see if, you know, anything else was reported. And, and shockingly, that's when I found out they don't want to hear anything about it. The FAA didn't want to hear about an object in our airspace. Uh, they told him and me to call Davenport. Peter Davenport is New Fork organization. And I, I don't know that Davenport, one guy, you know, sitting at his computer in Washington would have been able to do anything about this apparent uh, threat that was, a, you know. No, well, that's the problem. You're back. Sorry, go on, John. No, I was going to say that, that has been the case across the board. You might remember when I was with NIDS, 
we did visit uh, FAA. Uh, I took uh, Bigelow down there. Um, and it turned out that the deputy director of security had been a personal uh, friend of mine who, frankly, when I brought up UFOs, went, yeah, you know, Alexander's crazy again. <laughs> but he did put us in touch. And it was very interesting what happened. We dealt with some very high-level people. Um, they had no problem in believing in UFOs, and some of them who had been air traffic controllers said, yeah, they had, you know, had such reports and were themselves aware of it, but did not want to actively get involved. I mean, they were looking, and for a while... Uh, NIDS was, uh, you know, listed as a place to call because they think government didn't want involvement and they just wanted to make this go away as quickly as possible uh, without alienating the public. Mm -hmm. And Nick, what what were you going to say? I was going to say it comes back to this age-old point about the language that one uses when discussing this subject. And I'm talking about when those of us actually within government do this sort of thing. You really can't ever run a UFO project. We in the Ministry of Defense changed the terminology, as you know, to UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, in an attempt to lose the pop culture baggage that the term UFO has. And in an attempt that was ultimately successful to get some funding for a small intelligence assessment that we codenamed Project Condine. But really, you have to kind of almost reinvent the language on this. Hence, we get into advanced aerospace threat identification programs. We get into advanced theoretical physics groups. We get into all of, all of this, and it's just a way around it. If, if a pilot says, I want to, U- I want to report a UFO they might actually get a psychological evaluation and get grounded. <laughs> so the only way around it is to say, I think I've seen one of these new drones, and I'm a little concerned that it's flying in restricted airspace. Then you might get someone in government to take a look at it. Yeah, no, Nick is exactly right uh, on this, and, and that's what we did. We uh, created the term... Uh, advanced theoretical physics, and the reason for that was to prevent, uh, we think, people from filing uh, freedom of information reports thinking they would ask for UFOs and there would not be any translation. So Nick is exactly right, and the linguistics is very important. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to another matter uh, that you had mentioned, uh, you both had talked about, is kind of like uh, why something like this needs to be so secret. And uh, Esquire actually had a story that came out today, and it was from a military historian and uh, former strategist, Robert Bateman. And he talked about this. He was like, why is the government so cagey on UFO matters? And he said, essentially, these special access programs, the type that was created in the DOD here, they are even more secret than top secret because they vet and they're even more careful about who knows what. And there's two reasons, either because we want to hide capabilities from the Chinese or the Russians uh, or enemies, or the second reason is because it's kind of politically uh, embarrassing. So, for instance, you talked about, you know, uh, when they've done, like, researched what 
games Chinese children play so that they have an idea of their psychology. Uh, and that this is that sort of thing. It's a politically embarrassing sort of thing. And it's one of the reasons uh, that answers the, the the major secrecy, even though it doesn't seem like, you know, there were, it's not like they were hiding any dead alien bodies or something like that. Well, the black world is replete with those things, not just in UFOs, but in other areas where they want to hide stuff because of potential for uh, embarrassment. Um, unfortunately, I think the people who divine this um, are not aware of what the public believes. Remember, about 70% of the public believes they've actually seen a UFO, and there's actually considerable support. Having said that, if you looked at the ones I saw on CNN and ASNBC reports coming out, they they brought out what I call the ain't it awful crowd. You know, look at the waste of uh, (laughs) government money. Uh, And that is internally what they did run into, by the way. That... uh, all indications are that was a piece of it, saying uh, you're wasting your money. <clears throat> Remember, I've always said that there is competition for this money, even in the black world. As long as you're low enough, it won't cause a flap. But as it becomes uh, visible, and this also happened, I might mention, with the remote viewing program, some of the things that led to the death of that, and it had to do with uh, the, the waste of money aspect, which you can make. Mm-hmm. Nick's ran into that. Yes. Let, let me actually pick up on a couple of those points uh, and, th- and then perhaps get into another interesting thing. One reason for the secrecy is certainly the, the political embarrassment. Though Another reason is that actually the sorts of resources that you would need to access to properly investigate the most credible sightings do include some fairly sensitive pieces of kit and capabilities. I'm talking about things such as the space tracking radars that form part of the ballistic missile early warning system, uh, possibly the deep space network, uh, various other things. So there are quite a lot of reasons why this might be classified. Not all of it is, is political embarrassment, though part of it is i don't think we should also uh, sorry i just one one more point on this we i don't think we should also underestimate the whole technology acquisition um aspect of this you know we want to take we should take a step back with this and say why are governments looking at this why are you know people like john and myself interested in this anyway and one of the answers is well because there does look as if there's a a, a capability out there that we don't have a technology and in one sense we don't actually go in with a conclusion-led belief system of what what we're dealing with in one sense we go in look doesn't matter if it's russian or martian if it can do those speeds and maneuvers there's a technology there that we want because it seems to be better than ours and that's why by the way the word threat tends to to crop up in all these organizations, Advanced Aerospace Threat Investigation Program. We are interested, quite rightly, in potential threats. And let's make no mistake about it. If if this technology truly did come from some exotic source, um, the nation or, or corporation that first acquires it is going to have a pretty 
huge advantage. Which is what it seems uh, Bigelow has talked about that, that one of his main uh, goals in, in, and and John, you would know about this because you worked uh, with Bigelow on some of these projects, with Bigelow Aerospace was tech acquisition. He was planning on getting into the, uh, before he got into um, the space, commercial space uh, uh, industry, he uh, was was doing these sort of things, looking for technology to acquire, hopefully being able to glean some technology from the observed phenomena uh, of UFOs that he could develop uh, for his company. So he was looking for that uh, himself, it seems. Well, in, in years past, uh, long before I was at uh, Bigelow, uh, and part of our study, we had a guy by the name of Ben Rich, and Ben was the head of the uh, Skunk Works, and despite a lot of stories out there, I don't believe that they had it, but we had I had talked to him about this specifically on several occasions, and somewhat in depth, and he had a shopping list, so it was exactly that. I mean, he wanted the propulsion system, and give me this and give me that, because he recognized the technological advantage that uh, they could gain by having it. Right. So, which and you know, to the Stars Academy when they announced their launch, they also said something similar that they're hoping to glean the technology and even uh, they seem to have. And you guys know, you know uh, how put off. I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with uh, Steve Justice, a guy who works for worked for Skunk Works, who's now working with this uh, to the Stars Academy team. They seem to even think that they have been able to observe a technology that they want to develop, and they kind of have an idea of a craft. They've even released a picture of a craft that they hope to develop. Well, when I had developed this study, again, we're talking in 1980s, one of the things that we were proposing to folks was to do exactly that, that if you looked at these observations carefully and try to discern what the characteristics were that you could back your way into, you know, what kind of technology would be required to enable that. And we do know, and this is kind of across the board, not just in, you know, this area, but being able to envision the outcome that you want is very important to, you know, leading to development of new technology. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, did you have a comment that way, Nick? I mean, uh, how much, I mean, was there any technology that was able to be acquired, do you believe, from the UFO desk in the MOD? Not to my knowledge, but that didn't mean that we didn't have the aspiration to acquire that technology. And I suspect that our shopping list was uh, very similar, and I would say almost identical to the u.s list of course all the things that you'd you'd want would be be um sort of exotic propulsion systems um avionics aerodynamics um better stealth that sort of thing and let's not forget of course the the weaponization of this if you look at the declassified parts of the uk government intelligence assessment on this project condine you will see the phrase uh, novel military applications used um in in when talking about the aspirations of what we might get from a better understanding of ufos whatever they 
turning out to be. And you will specifically see, for example, reference to uh, RF weapons, um, radio frequency weapons, directed energy weapons, whatever you want to talk, uh, whatever terminology you want to use. Again, I go back to the fact we don't necessarily say that we think this is extraterrestrial. We, we simply say that technology seems to be out there and we would like to acquire it. And as I say, it goes back. The, the real, I think, reason for a lot of the secrecy is that the nation that first gets its, its hands on that um, has, has something that nobody else has. And one other point, by the way, and you can make a, a wider point about the extent to which, for example, the space program has been segueing out of government and into the private sector. One very important aspect of this whole story goes back to the involvement of Robert Bigelow, but it's a more general point. I'm going to put about- you, I'm going to stop you there. Hold on to that point because we're out of time. So uh, we'll get back to that after the break because I do want to address the whole Bigelow uh, aspect of this as well. So we'll be right back with that. But you're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm here with John Alexander and Nick Pope. We're going to take a quick break. If you're listening on KGRA, you're going to hear some commercials. Otherwise, if you're listening to the podcast, you're just going to hear a short musical interlude. Thanks for tuning in. and We'll be right back. You're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we have Nick Pope, formerly working the UFO desk for the Ministry of Defense, and we've got John Alexander, uh, former uh, Army Intelligence, but then he's worked in uh, the defense industry in multiple different ways, and he still does some consulting. So, uh, And he used to work with Bigelow. So earlier, John mentioned NIDS, which was the, uh, what was the, the acronym mean again? I forget. National Institute for Discovery Science. Right, which was uh, Bigelow's first organization to look into the paranormal aspect of uh, of the different paranormal uh, aspects. So, Actually, the second he's had a longer interest than that. Wow, I was not aware of that. But uh, we'll get into that. But, Nick, you were making a point about uh, Bigelow's involvement. Yes. The, one of the critical points about the New York Times story about the the um, Pentagon's UFO investigations is the fact that this was moved very quickly out of government into the private sector, um, in, into, of course, uh, Bigelow Aerospace. But um, the, 
the, I've seen this before in some of my UK work in relation to Project Condine, as I mentioned, the intelligence study on UFOs. Also, a defense intelligence staff study into remote viewing. The move of this into the private sector was deliberate. And what it meant was that it was making parliamentary, or in, in your case, in the U.S., congressional scrutiny more difficult. And critically, it was taking it outside of the scope of the Freedom of Information Act. Now, what I see as I look at people discuss this latest story on the Internet is everyone's saying, right, we're going to really hit them with all these Freedom of Information Act requests now, and we're going to uh, get to the bottom of some of the other unanswered questions here. Well, good luck with that, but I'm, <laughs> I think people are in for a bit of a disappointment. What you tend to get is you get the, the documents at the beginning of the program where government kind of sets it up and then moves it over into private sector. Then you get whatever reports get sent back into government, but everyone knows that they are uh, subject to FOI. But what you don't get is all the stuff in the middle because Freedom of Information Act, of course, doesn't apply to the private sector. And this, um, I'll choose my words carefully, but uh, this, this is um, something that people in government know about and I'm sure are uh, rather pleased. I, I suspect it goes a little bit further than unintended consequences. And sometimes these things are done through new contracts, but very often I've seen it done in the UK with an amendment to an existing defense contract. And so very little of, of the good stuff is actually FOIable. John. Well, what I want to follow up is a little different, and that has to do with whatever we're looking at and the, the capabilities. Because in my view, um, what we're looking at in these way of craft and doing the highly maneuverable things is, in fact, a new source of energy. So this has geopolitical, you know, strategic consequences. Because I've always said that little widgets flying around are interesting, but that is nothing compared to understanding of an energy that might take us away from the requirement for fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And you think then that is, uh, as it pertains to this story, a justification for secrecy? I, I, I don't think they're there yet. I'm just saying that that... Uh, you know, in my view, is, is the real strategic issue. I might mention from secrecy, and I know that uh, Lou and uh, Chris and I have talked about it, and an area we agree with, uh, and they can talk to the U.K., but uh, we all, I think, believe that this has been terribly overclassified. Mm -hmm. And most of the information really does need to get much more into the public sector. Mm -hmm. So, and Especially I just in areas where we're looking at what we call basic science, and I think that's what needs where the understanding needs to be. I think what you're alluding to, what Hal may have uh, divined on it, I do think that they're still guessing a bit, but um, uh, you know, it's certainly worth exploration. Mm -hmm. So I think what, and I think I've talked to both of you on this uh, before, but you both kind of describe is that then the military is kind of in this bind that uh, 
the UFO phenomena is politically embarrassing, but at the same time, the potential payoff is huge. It's either developing these weapon systems um, and being the first to get there, or it is uh, developing these uh, energy systems, these power systems systems which is also a huge payoff so it they have this huge um reason to do it but how to do it is a bit tricky uh, yes if it's- i'm going to just a bit of that we would and i think the people listening to the program may agree with that but that is not a universally held uh, position one of the big findings in the study that I ran was that nobody's in charge. And if you listen to Chris Mellon, who was in a position to oversee a lot of things, that's basically his position now. Nobody is in charge, at least not at a high enough level that can coordinate all of the activities uh, that would be necessary for a fully integrated program. Rather, they were and I do know that they were hit and miss as to how the information was derived and whether they ever even heard about it. So the loss of command and control, and you do have a number of people internally who think it's all BS. You know, this is all a waste of time and uh, energy. So you've got to be willing to accept, A, the reality of the phenomena, and B, take it the next step farther, and understanding the implications, again, at a strategic geopolitical level before you're doing it. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people who are willing to make those leaps. Nick? Yes, that, that I think uh, is, is something that certainly resonates with me. Um, you know, I, I think here in the U.S., given... This, this confusion we have over who's in charge, all the different agencies involved, the, the private sector involvement too. Perhaps these new revelations uh, can, can lead to a reassessment of this in government. Now, of course, I'm, I'm completely out of the game anyway, and, and the U.S. is, is not my um, area of expertise, but coming at at this from my background, I can't help but think that that uh, here in the U.S., um, OSTP, you know, might might be well placed to, to get a grip on this and, and maybe um, Office of Science and Technology Policy, White House OSTP, and the director there kind of maybe, you know, bang a few heads together, sit around and say, look, what have we got here? Um, who has done what? How can we try and draw some of these threads together? And how can we decide, you know, what what have we got here? What do we need to do and who should be doing it? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, may- well, I, I'm certainly not optimistic. It's, it's a good idea and what needs to be done, but I'm not optimistic in the current environment where you can't get them to even listen to... Uh, you know, climate science, if you will, where the evidence is already overwhelming and happening, and yet they fail to respond for political reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I, I, I share your your view that it's 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 perhaps uh, an optimistic thing. I mean, I think in the current administration, this can probably only happen top down, and I sincerely hope that President Trump will be 
listening to all this and you know thinking my goodness what a what a confused mess the US government has gotten itself into with this difficult and controversial subject over the years I want someone to to sort it out and I would think that he would look to director OSTP to do it but you know I I hope he will look to someone and and you know whatever you think of President Trump I think we are in this kind of top-down situation where perhaps at the moment only the president can say, somebody, you know, sort this out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Alejandro is not on Fox and Friends. <laughs> well, and, and the point that, you know, um, I think John is making is, you know, given the appointments, especially appointments that have anything to do with science or the environment, um, that that have been made with this administration, uh, yeah. There's there's not much hope uh, as to even if he were to identify somebody uh, who that person would be. Um, although who knows? I guess we can hope for the best uh, if that well, you were know, even it, to happen. If, yeah, I mean the 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 point is that even if we're pessimistic, it doesn't mean that uh, people shouldn't try. And and I'm I'm sure that the Times, having broken this story. And in many ways, broken something of a taboo, aren't just going to sit back and and forget about this. And so, you know, one of the important things to do now is is you know we can all sort of sit around and and be pleased about this and say, well, it's great that this subject has got some serious media attention. But one of the things that it seems to me now is is what are the unanswered questions or, or what questions haven't we asked yet that we should be asking and, and how do we then mm-hmm. you know how do we move this forward how do we capitalize on this well i think that's a good point and and you know if we get back to to reality and how you know um these people are motivated it's by politics and i think that's been an interesting aspect and i'd like to get your both of your comments because i know you pay attention to this sort of stuff it's been a weird issue ufos when you get into politics hillary kind of picked it up with her campaign strangely uh seemingly influenced by john podesta her campaign manager who's into this and and has even had conversations with at least tom DeLong and maybe others in this organization the ttsa that they created but right now Harry Reid is kind of the point political guy in this, even though he did have bipartisan support to create this Department of Defense uh, initiative. And it seems like the White House hasn't figured out, even from the campaign, uh, I don't think Trump has figured out which side he wants to come down on the whole UFO issue. Does he want to... He never wants to agree with Hillary, but at the same time... I think Hillary was trying to speak to his base by even bringing up the UFO issue, and he doesn't want to displease his base either. So he hasn't said anything, and I I wonder if you all have some thoughts on that. Well, I I think politically this is in the noise level. Uh, One of the things I've mentioned uh, unpopularly at the conferences there is this is not a voting issue. There is a small group of people who are intensely interested. You have a large group of people who believe, uh, but it is not something that's going to move uh, politically. 
I don't think it is fair to say that there was bipartisan effort because that infers that the parties themselves have taken positions or numbers of them. What he did get was a number of people. I was a bit surprised that uh, George Knapp had a very interesting program last night, and they started talking about uh, uh, Senator Stevens, who had a personal experience, uh, so he was willing to go along uh, with it because he had actually seen and encountered a UFO as a uh, former uh, Air Force pilot. Uh, but um, it, that's a big leap from there to you know joint bipartisan uh, uh, agreement on it. I guess it uh, was. I think it's a political nightmare. I guess just meaning that Stevens at least was Republican. It wasn't just all Democrat or Republican. Right. Well, no, it's not it. But I I would say more than bipartisan, which infers party relationships, it's a lot of it is personality dependent. Uh, And there you have somebody, as I said, with Stevens, who had a personal encounter. Now, one of the things Senator Reid uh, talked about, though, was that he also took blowback from people who said, uh, this is satanic, we should not have anything to do with it, bringing it into an illogical religious argument uh, as well. So they're all over the spectrum, and I, th- I think it's uh, more personality, belief systems, than it would be uh, alignment with any party affiliation. Nick, do you have some thoughts? Not much on on that, frankly. I mean, uh, yeah, I I think it's a classic case of uh, UFOs should not be a political issue, but almost everything becomes a political issue. So it's, it's, you know, it's tricky. Yeah, and that's the hard part. If everything becomes a political issue, so it, it, it either if the White House is going to even do anything, they would want to justify it. And of course, then the Democrats would it would attack them. But I guess in the positive side, Democrats wouldn't really uh, be as motivated to attack him on this issue if he did something on it, because, you know, their can their uh, candidate and uh, their people have been, you know, uh, the recent people to be pushing this forward, even though in history, you know, we do have some big names in, in the Republican Party who have been big on this issue, uh, Goldwater, uh, somewhat Reagan, but, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, some others. But remember, you have Jimmy Carter, obviously a, a Democrat, who had a personal observation. And it was interesting because there are some his story is out on it because he did ask uh, officially, I forget which of the organization, but I think it was the Office of Science and Technology to look at it. And it was they NASA. basically told him to pack sand. Yeah, it was NASA, and the Air Force advised NASA, don't do it. Um, but I want to ask this question before we run out of time of each of you, and I guess we'll start with Nick. Is this news, this revelation of this organization in the DOD a big deal? And if so, how much of a big deal? It is a big deal. In one sense, it shouldn't surprise anyone that government looks at this. And I'd be frankly concerned if pilots are seeing things and things are being tracked on radar and somebody isn't looking at it. That would be a, a, a scandal. So uh, it, it's but it's a, it's a big deal. Clearly, the Times um, as a paper of record uh, is very important here. 
uh, we we wait to see where we go. I, th- I think the next uh, week or so is going to be very interesting. And there are still some important unanswered questions. The references, for example, to recovered materials. What materials are those? Where are they currently stored? What tests were done on them? And what conclusions, if any, were found? So plenty of issues and plenty of unanswered questions still. Right. And, and actually, there has been some positive movement in that. For instance, Robert Powell, um, he's part of the Scientific Coalition of Ufology, and he's a researcher for a while. He's been investigating that Nimitz case, and he's been told to pack sand with his FOIA request. But now that this has been released, he, he went back to them and say, hey, wait a second. And they said, OK, we're going to be releasing some information soon. So we do have some more uh, they're actually going to respond to some of these FOIA requests uh, on this Nimitz uh, sighting. But, John, your thoughts on, is this a big deal? Well, I guess I'd specific, uh, respectfully disagree with how big a deal it is. It is certainly interesting. Uh, one of my points is that if you look at what we did versus what they do now, they have better sensors. There's no doubt about that. They have collected more data but I don't think they have any better answers. And you've got to remember that this is a phenomena that transcends basically time and space. It has been going on for millennia. Uh, and I suspect in the long run it's going to be a hiccup. Uh, who knows? Maybe they can, you know, generate some interest. Now, one of Tom DeLong's areas of interest aside from the technology aspects, is to get younger folks more actively involved and, you know, interested in exploring these topics. That would be a plus because, uh, face it, if you look at the folks there and a lot of us, we're talking about dinosaurs. You know, mm-hmm. we, we need a lot of young folks that have the technical uh, expertise to come up behind us and carry the torch forward. Well, one of the things they mentioned is that Bigelow, and you would would have more insight than the rest of us since you've been very close with Bigelow and you're in Nevada, that Bigelow has some sort of mysterious metal from uh, a UFO. It's been kind of implied. Uh, would that be a big deal if they have some metal? It, it may or it may not be. Uh, I have argued that looking for unobtainium is probably not the right way to go. Um, I hate to say it, the area I agree with Sagan, uh, and, you know, if you look at contact, how did they make it? They, it was by transferring information and using the materials that were available at the, uh, destination. Uh, I, when, back when we were at, uh, when NIDS was still in existence, we did have some pieces, uh, and had it, uh, analyzed, uh, but I never saw anything that uh, uh, indicated, again, it was unobtainium or something that was totally uh, unexplained. We have had this sort of material reported for many decades. Um, if they have something, and we have not seen the reports, obviously, that says it is totally you new and we don't know how to do it, then that would be of interest. Uh, Some of the proponents for um, Roswell and other things suggest that maybe these are being intentionally left for us. Uh, You know, that it's not accidental, and it's here for us to research and try to make 
you know, steps forward in metallurgy or, you know, other material science. Mm-hmm. Well, we're pretty much out of time. That time went, like, so quickly, speaking of space-time anomalies. Um, but I'll give you both 10 seconds. Yeah, of course, that's, that's uh, very little time to say anything. But if you had one final remark, uh, Nick, what would that be? It would be to keep an eye on this story as it develops over the next few weeks. There's more to come. Mm-hmm. John? I certainly agree with that, and we're hoping that some of these reports uh, get released to, to the public where they should be. Right. So, And I think we will be seeing more. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and, uh, and we'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you much. All right. Thanks, guys. I will probably get this up tomorrow, and I'll send you guys the links, and then um, it'll be on KGRA on Monday night. So thank you so much. I knew it would be interesting. Well, if I don't speak to you all before, uh, happy Christmas. Yes, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you, if you say happy holidays, you then you're capitulating. <laughs> uh, well, you see, even that's political now. I know, that's everything. Crazy. That's crazy. Even Santa, <laughs> even Santa Claus is, is political. Well, Merry Holidays. Yeah. Well, like they said, we, we didn't get into it, but we used to say, you know, from the uh, intelligence standpoint, that uh, if you said good morning, you could classify it because good modified the morning and, and offered information about how it was going. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> funny. Thank you so much to Nick Pope and to John Alexander. I think besides the, the primary people involved, they're the absolute best people to talk to. You can find information about both of them at their websites. Uh, John's website is johnbalexander.com and Nick Pope's, I believe, is nickpope.net. But if you just Google Nick Pope, you'll find him all over the place. So check that out. Thanks, guys. Thank you to Martin for joining us at the beginning of the show. And I do want to wish everybody some happy holidays, including Caleb Hanks. Thank you for doing the opening and closed music. Systematics, who does the bumper music. And be sure to go register for the UFO Congress. UFOcongress.com right now. Above all times, it's important to get there so we can have uh, these conversations. And no doubt, everybody's going to be sharing some interesting takes on this recent news. And we'll have some more uh, uh, to share about guests related to this very important news. Anyway, you all have a wonderful holiday weekend. Until next time, adios. Adios muchachos.